everyone. This is Kathy Mason from Mason Works Marketing here on Conscious Business Zone with my friend James Bonato and my new friend Brenda Stevens. Hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome. So we're going to be talking about a subject that is um, is actually um, how do I put it? It's a, a very, very, very important, but it's a traumatic subject that we're going to talk about today. And I had no idea that it's almost like an epidemic, it feels like, in the U.S. I don't know if it's worldwide, but um, even I've had experience with it. So today we're going to talk to James first about his new movie called Running with Covert with a Covert Narcissist. And um, James, uh, let's let's start there. Uh, just the name is kind of interesting, running with it. But um, do you want to talk a little bit about what what inspired you? Uh, oh, I'll back up. James and I met a year or so ago, and I've had him on Conscious Business Zone before because he did a wonderful video. He did a wonderful documentary on near-death experiencers, and he's He's an, uh, a professional filmmaker. He's a professional videographer who's done a lot of events. His, he's usually the guy behind the camera making everyone smile during the events and getting the lifetime memory videos. But he's turned into an amazing documentary filmmaker. And this new film on Narcissists came out of his own experience, right? Right. So, so let's start there. I, I wanted to at least preface that I, I'm I'm very grateful for your work, James. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's true. I was inspired to make the documentary film Running with a Covert Narcissist um, due to my own experience with a covert narcissist. And, you know, I probably shouldn't even use the word uh, inspired. I, I think that's the wrong word I should come up with. When I think of the word inspired, I think of like me, you know, saving a little kitty cat from a bunch of uh, awful field mice or something like that. So maybe we should use the word driven. OK, yeah, yeah. so I was driven to make the, um, the documentary film because I wanted to teach people about what covert narcissist is because a lot of people don't know what it is. Right. And I wanted to also drive home the fact that we victims, and there's a lot of us out there, we're not alone. Sometimes it feels like we're alone out there, but we're not. And I want to teach people of what happened to us, how we got out of it, and to really show people that there's help for us, there is therapy out there for us. And speaking of therapy, uh, we have Brenda Stevens. She is actually in the documentary film and she is the therapist. And so I wanted to introduce Brenda. Yes. Well, I, I wanted, uh, Brenda, I, before we came on, I asked her, her autograph because she's, <laughs> she's a star. James made her a star. Well, um, okay. So let's talk a little bit. Okay. So James, you had an experience and I, I didn't even know the word or hardly anything about narcissists until this past April, when my last, I had to ask the gentleman that was living here with me to leave because he was one. But so somehow I was not, um, I was not, I was able to see it. 
I mean, well, actually, I think what happened with me is all of my friends refused to be around him anymore. They they just couldn't tolerate him. So so he did a great job of helping me see it. Basically, he acted up in front of other people. <laughs> and they said, mm, we know you mm -mm -mm about him. So, so, but I didn't even know what a narcissist was. I mean, it was one of those words that it's like, well, if you're selfish, uh, self-centered, you know, it was one of those words. It's not quite understood that it's a disease. It's actually a disease, um, especially covert. Um, I didn't even know that existed. So, so James, do you want to, or uh, Brenda, we'll come to you next. Okay. But mm -hmm. But I wanted James to give a little bit more about, I didn't want to get him off the hook yet, um, about his experience because he went deep into, into it. And he, he had actors, except for the doctors and the therapists and, and you guys in the film, he had actors play the role. So could you talk a little bit about that, about the selection process of the stories and um, and and why you did it that way, James? Sure, I can absolutely talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, putting together a documentary film is a lot harder than people think. Um, this is my actually my fourth documentary film. And right from the get-go, I had like about 50 victims to choose from and i had to narrow it down to three and just doing that alone was 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 quite an effort quite a monument monumental task and once i got the three i had to make sure that i told their story correctly and honestly okay i couldn't embellish anything otherwise it wouldn't be a documentary film right so i went along with that and then I kind of threw a monkey wrench into my own film by uh, getting actors, like you said. Like, what are actors doing in a documentary film? That doesn't make sense. I'll, I'll go into that um, just a little bit later. But I did hire a, um, a casting director to help me in coordinating the locations and getting permission from people to use their spaces and coordinating with the actors to make sure that they were available on that day was, was certainly a task. I mean, this was not a this was not a Hollywood production, all right. I tried to make it look like a Hollywood production, <laughs> but it wasn't. So it's there are good. very many, yeah. There are very many challenges with that. Um, and after it was done, I had to do uh, marketing, which Kathy, uh, <laughs> I, I I'm not a marketer, all right. <laughs> My job is behind the camera, and anything that happens behind the camera I can deal with. Like, you know, if I hit myself over the head with a camera lens and break it, that's my, that's on me. Or if, my, if I have a wobbly tripod and it falls into a swimming pool, that's on me. But marketing was, was difficult. So I did have an incredible issue that I was not prepared for. Um, I can remember shooting the very first scene and, and it was a very simple scene and so I'm a, I've been an editor, editor for 35 years. And when I sit in front of my edit suite, all is right with the world, baby, because I'm in my domain. I'm in my element. And so I was ready to edit the scene. It shouldn't have taken me more than an hour. And I got like five minutes into it, and I had to turn off the computer and take a nap. 
because oh. I was so emotionally exhausted from this because I can I keep I kept connecting my story of covert narcissists uh, narcissism to the three characters in the film my story is not in the film all right but I kept I kept connecting it for some reason and it was like that through the entire process so I, I was not ready for that I think the first uh, scene which should have taken an hour took me eight hours to edit that darn thing for, for what it was. So I wanted to, you know, just say how difficult it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I can understand just watching it brought it all back to me. I mean, the, because the, when you're with a, a covert or a narcissist that they, you want to always in a relationship, you want to keep improving. But after a while, you're just overwhelmed with the requests or the um, complaints, the criticism, the the tear down of your ego. You're just overwhelmed. So you start numbing out. And so when I watched the movie, your other NDE movie, I watched it many times. <laughs> this one, I did. I just got through it once. Because I I was there, I, I I can totally understand how you were. Um, this is a passion project that will help so many people because of that, James. I think, don't you? I do, and I was hoping that Brenda could chime in on on. Uh... Yeah, yeah. So Brenda, we didn't mean to leave you out. I just wanted to make sure that people knew that this was a a healing process for James. That, that a lot of this was, it's not only a gift to all of us, but it's uh, it's a gift to, to him as well. I, I think it's a gift to all of us, uh, all of us who participated in it. Um, watching James, um, he did a, a speech recently, which was so inspiring, truly inspiring. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, 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 it is helpful for all of us. And I think the more that we get information out about these relationships, the more we help people, right? We normalize, or not normalize, but we validate what people are going through. And I think that is one of the biggest problems I see is that um, most people feel like there's something wrong with them, that they've done something and and we cannot make sense of what goes on, especially with a covert narcissist. I mean, narcissism in and of itself is, is bad to be around, but covert narcissism is extra sneaky um, and, and can really make people doubt their own reality, truthfully. That's right. That's and and I have to say that's what I felt like. I I couldn't tell. And and my friends would say, "I'm not going out to dinner with you guys anymore. You, I cannot stand listening to him." And I didn't even hear it. I had totally just numbed, turned down the volume, and went, "Oh, okay," and focused on what I thought. I I mean, I guess it's almost fantasy. You go into almost a fantasy because you you're you're seeing the best in them and they're seeing the worst in you but but the covert narcissists they they have this um method of um smothering you or the the beginning of the relationship is so storybook almost so so they've got it so you're hooked into that storyline even while you're going through the uh trauma 
it, it is trauma. And, and it's, it's like you're, um, they, at least in this case, uh, I would do my show and he would come up after my show and I'd be high as a kite happy because I love doing this show. I love learning from you guys. And he would come in and I'd all of a sudden be in tears because he would criticize what I had just done or brought me. It was like too much joy in this room, you know? So, wow. So, so Brenda, let's ask some more questions about covert nar narcissism so that you can give us an idea of, or the different kinds, because you work with PTSD, you work with all sorts of trauma and this particular trauma, why is it so rampant right now? I get asked that a lot. And um, I, you know, I really do think social media does play a role in, in the recognition. A lot of people are talking about this now, which is fantastic. There's just more information out there. The downside of that is that I think we throw the word narcissism around a little too freely um, to describe you know, kind of typical selfish behaviors. Um, but when we really understand what's going on, we start to recognize, I mean, when, the more information, information is power, right? So we have more power within ourselves to recognize what we're experiencing, reach out for help, research more about it. There's, like I said, so much information, people are kind of um, doing a lot of research on their own to see what's going on in their lives, trying to figure it out. <clears throat> and I really want to go back to what you just said about the beginning part of the relationship. I, I work almost solely with people who have been in relationships with narcissists, raised by narcissists, coupled with narcissists, whatever it is. Every relationship starts out that way, um, especially romantic relationships where we call it love bombing in that beginning part. And love bombing doesn't necessarily mean roses and chocolates and things like that in, in the beginning of the relationship. They will study you. They will um, understand kind of what your likes and dislikes are. And, and you really are a project for them. And they're giving you lots of attention during that phase. So when things start to go a bad direction, we we hold on to that vision and that version of that person that we first met. We're like, when that's really who they are, they're really in, you know, something weird's going on now and they're acting differently. The truth is they they were they've been wearing a mask and and they purposely do that. They purposely try to find the ins and outs, how to kind of get in your good graces, how to win you over. And we really do hold on to that version of them. And, and it takes us a long time to figure out the real person is the one with the mask off, the one that's saying the mean things and taking the joy out of the room, as you described. That That's hard for us to wrap our heads around. Yeah, yeah. Well. And, and I don't know how I saw it. I was lucky that eventually I saw it because, um, and, and I do credit my friends to just say, we're never going to be, we're never going to dinner with him again. We're never going to, he's not invited back to our house because they saw how he was treating me. I was totally, I was totally like, like I had turned it off. Like I was just in my happy little world because I liked my world. <laughs> so, so, so James, did you find a common theme? Like what Brenda's talking about that there was, um, there was this uh, honeymoon stage and everybody's story. And, and was that the same thing with your story as well? It was exactly the same story. It actually took me a couple of years to figure out that my friend was a covert narcissist. And we were in a, um, 
uh, a business community together, a chapter. And uh, ironically, I was the one who got her into the chapter. And uh, yes, it was all peaches and cream. And she was she turned out to be the one who got me thrown out of the chapter. Wow. Which was uh, really took me by surprise because I thought she was my friend. I really did. And uh, she um, I knew that there were a couple things off. It's almost like she was playing a, a piano that only had 75 keys instead of 88 something was missing or she mm -hmm. was driving a car downshifted to one or two instead of driving a D it didn't feel like feel right so yeah she she wrote this letter to the membership uh, committee about me which I, I never saw and I knew that there there were some issues I knew that there were some issues there and I didn't really make anything of it at the time I mean, I've got plenty of issues myself. <laughs> um, I've got uh, some idiosyncrasies, which my wife would love to tell you about. All right. <laughs> you know, e e eating, eating hot dogs without a bun is one of them. <laughs> but, but, but she had, uh, yeah, so she wrote this letter and I got put in front of the board and the, the, the head of membership uh, arranged this meeting, a Zoom meeting. And they didn't read me the letter. And uh, I said, well, how can I defend myself here? I, I guess I was on trial. Um, how can I defend myself if I don't know what she wrote about me? And they said, well, we're not going to read you the letter. And I did my best to defend myself. And the meeting was over. And then I got, a, a, quite frankly, a very cowardly email in the middle of the night from the head of, of, uh, of the membership saying, you're gone. So I assumed uh, it's... it's I'll never know what was in the letter, but I'm sure there was manipulation in this letter. I'm sure there was some metamorphosis of the truth, some twisting uh, of reality. And that's what I, I ended up dealing with. Um, covert narcissists, and I'm sure Brenda can concur with me, they're, they're very brilliant and they are clever. Brenda said that they're, they're very clever. Um, what they do is not only they try and, and, and de demolish you, but they also uh, gain allies, all right? And you know where I'm going, Brenda. Mm -hmm. um, she got, um, they're called flying monkeys, all right? And they are people who advocate for the covert narcissist. They do the dirty work of the covert narcissist so they can keep their hands clean, which is exactly what happened to me. And my covert narcissist, she's got to be one of the top at, at recruiting because she brilliantly got people that I knew turn against me. And I don't know how she did it, but that is the, um, the job of the flying monkeys. As a matter of fact, and that's, that's a very strange term. I'm sure Brenda will, will dive into what it really means but or uh, expand on it. But covert narcissists need these flying monkeys, okay? They can't demolish you by themselves. Well, they can. They can try. They can do a little bit. But they need the flying monkeys to really finish the job, okay? And the flying monkeys can almost be more devastating to you than the covert narcissists themselves. That's what happened to me. I mean, I was officially thrown out of the chapter by the flying monkeys, not by the covert narcissists, even though it came from her. But um, did you want to expand a little bit on flying monkeys there, Brenda? Sure. Yeah. And I could not agree more. The flying monkeys, any enabler uh, in, co co uh, what's the word, that is in 
in uh, I can't think of the word that works closely with a narcissist. Basically, any any ally that they have is is really uh, damaging. But a, a flying monkey it comes from the term from the Wizard of Oz, the flying monkeys that helped the wicked witch um, did her bidding. And you know, at the end of the movie, they kind of all wake up and realize that you know, that they were doing the bidding of evil. Um, most people don't realize what they're what they're involved in because, especially with a covert narcissist, the covert narcissist can be very um, self-effacing. They can be play the victim. They can really put on a paint a picture of themselves as being the one to feel sorry for, and they're okay with this. This is kind of what drives them. This is how their narcissism presents itself. So they will win people over and people will believe their story. And especially in, in professional situations, it can be even easier to do because there isn't a lot of emotional attachment necessarily in a professional relationship. So they're going to, a, a flying monkey or any enabling person is going to take the story at face value, not necessarily dig into, you know, what's James' side of this story. They're They're just taking her story because she's again, probably showing some vulnerability, even though it's all in, in the in the work of being manipulative. Um, so people just don't, they don't explore the truth as much. And these flying monkeys do. This is how, you know, I can sit back here and, and pretend that I'm so wounded as a covert narcissist, then people are going to have an inclination to stand up for me. And that's what a flying monkey typically does in a very basic nutshell way of explaining it. Wow. Does that make what, sense? Yeah, that, that really that really hit home with me. You know, um, I don't know if I'm reaching uh, any of the people in the Kathy Mason show audience, but one of the things that I fell into, which Brenda pretty much defined it was, I was finding myself really trying to support my covert narcissist. And I foolishly thought that she had a vision of humanity the same uh, vision of humanity that I did. And they don't, covert narcissists, uh, they don't have the empathy. I says, when is the empathy going to kick in with her? When is she going to think? And it never happened. And uh, they just can't. They, do, they, they don't have the ability to grow, it seems. And they don't have the ability to, to learn from their mistakes or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I understand that it actually uh, gets worse and I, I tell you, with me, uh, you know, I have to actually take some of the blame here of what happened to me, because I am a person who, if I'm given an assignment, if I'm given a goal to reach or a mission, I'm going to complete that mission and I will do whatever it takes to get that mission done if it's important to me. And my relationship with my covert narcissist was important Uh but I finally realized that I was not ever going to complete that mission. And that that sort of was was on me. And I, I finally understood that. I mean, it was her who actually got me out of the chapter. She kicked me out before I kicked her out of, of my life. But eventually I came to see that. Well, I remember saying, could you just be kind? Where is your kindness? And I remember saying that almost every day. And, and then I finally went, I can't handle someone who's unkind. Well, I was lucky. I recognized it and said, you have to leave. Um, but but uh, so, so, Brenda, how common is it where James, I, I've mostly heard people say ex-husbands, boyfriends. I haven't heard that many of what James had, where it was a business, uh, it was a friend. 
um, that that was able to ruin you know ruin his reputation basically. How common is that? Oh, I actually think it's fairly common, unfortunately. Um, maybe not as common, and I think this just probably is my role as a therapist. I see people when they're there's been so much damage over so many years. They're, they're desperate for help. So they come to therapy. I'm guessing people who have professional relationships or these sort of, uh, you know, these friendships that are fairly new or acquaintances that are fairly new, maybe aren't to the point where, where they're so overwhelmed because they're not spending like every moment. They're not coming home to that person. They're not sharing a life. So I, I'm guessing we don't see in therapy those relationships as often. But I will say these folks are everywhere. We will see them everywhere in church, in, in the grocery store, like everywhere, anywhere that you can have contact with a person, you you are going to come in contact with some version of narcissism. Um, it's just, it, it's not the most common personality disorder, but we see it in every walk of life. So it can be in every relationship, friendships, um, romantic relationships, you name it. Okay, so I have a question because um, we on Tuesday on my last show, we talked about self-love. And um, as women, we were always taught, you know, it's selfish to do stuff for yourself. You, you have to do stuff for everyone else. And so that's where I, I want people to, you can't give love if you don't have it. So it's really important. I don't want people to get confused that that's narcissism. Right. So could you define, do you have, uh, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm going to, um, <laughs> do, could you help us understand the difference between self-love and, and the, how, how this kind of twists to a different channel? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you're bringing this up because this hap this conversation I've had a thousand times if I've had it once and people who are in relationships with narcissists, I think are very, um, opposed, if that's the right word, to the idea of engaging in any kind of self-care initially, because they, they, they're they desperately um, avoiding becoming anything like the narcissist. I see this, especially with children of narcissistic parents, so much worry that they're, they're like their parent, because of course they are like their parent on some level, um, because, you know, modeling and just the way that we're raised in a family, there are going to be similarities, but the difference comes with empathy. Um, so people can be selfish and still be very empathic. They can have a lot of empathy for others. Narcissists are very low, very, very low, no matter what type of narcissist they are, very low with empathy. And that's the big difference. So if I'm going um, on a walk so I can be in nature, that's self-care. That is hugely different from me glomming onto somebody like you, one of you mentioned this earlier, um, engulfing you and, and wanting all of your attention. That that is selfishness. That is a whole other thing. Um, wanting to love yourself and accept for yourself for who you are is healthy and good. And it's part of the healing process when you've been in this relationship. It's incredibly important to understand this about yourself and know that the difference is that you actually still care about other people. A narcissist doesn't, at least certainly not to a level that matters. I mean, they may have a tiny bit of empathy and really the empathy piece is what stops them from going over completely into antisocial personality disorder, which is even scarier. Um, but they have very little of it. And, and that's what we see. And that's why you you just said, I'm asking for kindness. Can you just be kind? I remember doing the same thing. Do you feel anything? Asking my partner, do you feel anything? Is there anything going on in there that gets to your heart? 
Um, and wow. it can really feel like that. Well, so you had the experience. So probably your trauma helped you go on your journey to help all everyone else. James in the same way. And um, I, but honestly, I mean, I, I, I haven't, this was my first one. <laughs> it's like, wow, how did I attract that? So what, what do you do to not attract that? I mean, like for instance, James was, this was a business experience. I mean, what are the, what are the warning signs? Are, are there warning signs that you can like go, uh-oh, I see sign number one. Uh-oh, I see sign number two. Are there, is there any way to protect yourself that way? Should I answer that? Yeah, James, I, know, I know where you're going to go, but go ahead. Is it okay? James already, James already answered it, honestly. Exhaustion. That exhaustion that James, I mean, that's one sign, but that's a huge sign that we'll notice that before we notice anything else. Like at some point I start to feel better once that person leaves. Mine was a musician. He would go out on tour and it this long before I understood that he was a covert narcissist. But that was, a, in hindsight, such a red flag for me because there was so much relief when he left. Like, it's just exhausting. And it's really funny because we just got a question from on our social media about exhaustion. Like, nobody, nobody seems to understand that level of exhaustion when somebody's emotionally manipulating you. It wears you out. So that is a really good first sign. If you find yourself breathing this sigh of relief because the, they've left, even though you think you're in love with them or you think that there's, this is a loving relationship, uh -huh. huge red flag. <laughs> yes. Okay, James. It reminds me of something. You know how I found out about covert narcissism? This is really crazy. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine about uh, this lady who, and she e emailed me a couple of times and he said, well, why don't you show me the emails? I said, okay. So I forward him the emails. And he said, all right, James, I'm going to send you a YouTube video and you're going to watch it. And then I want you to call me back. And I went, okay, all right. So he sends me this YouTube video and it's like seven signs you're dealing with a covert narcissist. I'm like, what in the world is that? So I watched the video and I call him back and he said, okay, if she's got three or four of the seven, she's probably a candidate. For, she's probably a covert narcissist. How many of the seven did she have? And I said, uh, seven. She had all, all seven. And he said, you know, I knew it. I was reading the emails that she wrote to you. And there is so much gaslighting in these emails. She's projecting and she's manipulating you. I'm going to send you a second YouTube video. And I go, you don't have to, you don't have to send me any more YouTube videos. I get it. And he goes, no, no, no. Watch this one. So he, he sends it to me and it's like 13 minutes long and I'm watching it. And it's a therapist from Texas and he has this, incredible southern draw to him and he's talking about it and i'm watching it in like six minutes in seven minutes in eight minutes in i said this guy this therapist from texas he knows my covert narcissist personally he's no he's got to know her because he was describing her to a t i said how could he possibly have known all this and that's when i realized that covert narcissists fit a, a mold yes so that's how i found out about covert wow well and, and but the thing is when you watch the the difference in your film is that you've got experts like brenda in the film that um 
after you've told the story, they can help explain it because it's so confusing. That's why I think you get stuck in it for so long as you're, is it me? Is it them? For me, I was trying to um, accommodate the criticism, thinking it was self-improvement. And then it was overwhelming after a while. It was like, you got to stop this. (laughs) But, 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 but then I numbed out. Then I just uh, worked more. I can hide in my work. I love what I do. Just like what James, you do. Um, so I can hide in it and just say, you know, I'll see you later. And um, so that's what I did. That was my defense mechanism, I guess, was just going, just saying I was too busy working. You know, the see you later thing uh, <laughs> is, is very, very important. As a matter of fact, uh, that is exactly why I have actors in the film. Okay. Because I didn't want the covert narcissist going after. Right the real people so i couldn't put them on camera that's why i used actors could you talk about that too because i i want people to understand that just using that word covert is it it's a um it's psychopathic um tendencies versus a narcissist i mean brandy you can explain it better yeah and i can't but but do you know what i'm saying i mean this is calculated this is someone find someone who's an empath or kind and loving and they then you become a target and you have no idea because you're kind and loving to everyone that that um that you would attract that because that's just not in your world you would never treat anyone like that or talk to them like that we'd never criticize people like that so could you guys talk about that the difference between again i guess i want to make sure people understand because when i watched your your movie your documentary uh running with a covert narcissist it was like wow i mean it, it was so black and white it, it's really a good film james it's really good and i think it'll help a lot of people because it's it's so much more clear than you watching those other YouTubes. I mean, because wow. I, I started watching some other stuff too, because I I just, I wasn't familiar with the narcissist. I mean, you know, people use that word, but I wasn't familiar with that as a um, uh, disorder, a personality disorder, basically. So could you guys talk again a little bit about, and Brenda and, I, Brenda and James, okay? I'm going to get off and that you guys have the screen. Okay? Let's let's let Brenda address that. Okay. So, let me be clear. What am I addressing about what is the difference between a, a covert narcissist and, yeah, and- I just want, I want a little bit more of a definition. So the audience has an idea because I'm, I'm putting up the links to both of your websites and, and I want them to watch the film. James is so generous. He's made the film free he put all that time and money into it, but he's got it out there to heal as many people as possible. But people don't understand the terms. Yeah. And um, they also, there's somebody who's a healer that's putting stuff in the thread that's like, you're labeling. And it's like, that's what, I didn't want to do that, but it was it was glaring. It was glaring. So I, I mean, I just wanted to help somebody else get through it better. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Well, I don't know how we talk about this without having a label, honestly. And, and I, I understand the concern there, but 
we have to name it to tame it is a common thing to say in my field. Um, and we have to understand it. And, and there really is a difference between narcissism and, and psychopathy or antisocial personality disorders, it's um, technical name. <clears throat> and again, that that is that level of empathy. Um, a person with antisocial personality disorder or psychopath has zero empathy. They don't care. They don't care how people see them. They just bulldoze through life. Uh, a narcissist may have, a, like I said before, a little bit of empathy, but they also will care about what they look like to others for the most part. Narcissistic rage takes them into a whole different territory, but just day-to-day -day behavior, typically they are concerned about how they appear to others, which, and then if we, uh, an overt narcissist is one that we probably all have kind of a picture of in our mind when we think of a narcissist. They're loud, they're um, gaining attention, they're trying to be the life of the party. Um, all of the things that we would kind of expect, they're just trying to get attention and, and trying to kind of have the sense of grandiosity. Um, a covert narcissist has all of that. They just hide it better. And some people say the covert narcissist is, is worse. Um, I get asked a lot, which one is worse? And a lot of people say the covert narcissist is worse because we don't see them coming. They are a little more um, secretive, manipulative, quiet about the way they do things. And James' story is a perfect example of that, you know, kind of slow manipulation, um, gaslighting. I, I don't know if that's a term that most people understand, but they will literally tell you what you believe is wrong or what you described to Kathy coming into the room afterward, after you know you've just done something that you're proud of and that is helping people coming in there and make you making you doubt the worth of, of the production that you're making, the work that you're doing. Um, that's all gaslighting. Um, and covert narcissism is just someone has all of those characteristics of, of a narcissist, the grandiosity, the belief that they're better than everybody else. They just present it in a different way. So they're going to, instead of saying, I'm so great, come with me and you know we're going to go to this party and you're going to meet all my friends and see how great I am. A covert narcissist is going to go, oh, I, I'm not so great, but I did go build this house for Habitat for Humanity. I use this example a lot because this is what mine did. He, he was a fireman. Um, so there was always these comments about the things that he was involved in to help others. None of it was from an altruistic place. It was all in order to get people to notice him and to give him compliments. And um, there, there was no humility in what he did. He he would find ways to bring it into conversation. Any 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 act of kindness um, that he did. Sorry, there's a little fly flying around me. Um, it, it it was it's subtle and it's manipulative. And they will even use um, self-deprecation. Like I said before, they will use a, a victim mentality where a, an over yeah an overt narcissist won't typically do that. A covert narcissist will say things like, oh, my gosh, I look like trash today just to get the compliments of, no, you look good. You're you're doing great. You know, things like that. That is a, <laughs> a quick example of the difference. There's a lot of comments coming through that I, I could sh I'll share in a little bit. To, and I want to make sure people know um, can go to both of your websites. So I want to show them, too. Um, so this is the question. James wasn't married to one. I was in relationship to one. You were in relationship to one. What happens if you've got a team in, in this a bit conscious business zone, the conscious business zone um, leader, and in most cases is called a servant leader. And they put all their energy into making sure their customers or their employees 
are uh, have a life fulfilling um, experience in their business in the business. What do you do if one of those people on the team is a covert or even well even chose any narcissist? Uh, narcissistic. That's a word. Um, <laughs> um, what do you do? Because as an employer, as a servant leader, you want to protect the the uh, psyche and the well-being of everyone. Mm -hmm. Do you have a recommendation for that? Yes, I do. Boundaries. Um, well, first of all, servant leadership, I could not believe in that more than I do. I think that is the way to lead. Um, and and narcissism does not fit into that at all. Right, right. So a narcissist is typically, typically going to find their way out uh, one way or the other, because that style of leadership is not going to congeal with how a narcissist behaves. But as a, as a leader, you have to be very careful that that, that behavior doesn't spoil the apple barrel right the apple, one right? bad apple thing um and that's really important but the the key with narcissists if we if we need to maintain relationships with them no matter what kind they are we have to create and maintain incredibly strong boundaries and we have to remember the boundaries are for us people um worry about this a lot when i talk about boundaries that oh my narcissist isn't gonna uh, you know, abide by that they're not gonna go with that they don't have to the boundary is for us so I get to say, if you do this, I hang up the phone. I'm not talking to you anymore, or I leave the room, or I don't come over to see you, whatever. I, I, the boundary is for me to have a consequence for their their behavior, okay. basically. And and you have to reinforce it. You can't be lax about it. That's well, a, <laughs> yeah, very consistent. Yes. Well, so, but I just see, I feel so um, uh, sympathetic for these people, we're, we've just got out of this lockdown period. Lots of people lost their business. If you have a narcissist or a covert narcissist on your team, I mean, you're already tapped into uh, uh, an area of, of difficulty. It's just your human will that's making a lot of things happen right now. I don't know if you guys feel that way, but that's the way it is. For a lot of small businesses and um, to have this disruptive uh, element that is um, not really a team player they can't be they can't they don't have any empathy for anybody else wow yeah i feel bad yeah. so so yeah james no i was just gonna say there's a whole bunch of points that you guys are bringing up that i i couldn't bring out in the film i could i couldn't make it so long, but uh, you know, I, I at least I got out the major uh, points of. Oh uh, no, I think the, the film is and, great. Oh yeah, it's it's doing very well. The film is doing very well online. I have over uh, three thousand views, and oh, I can't believe I just let that slip out. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but, <laughs> it's doing that very well. You can see the film on the site that 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 is scrolling there. Okay, and not only can you see the film, you can learn about covert narcissist the stuff that all three of us are talking about and brenda is on there as well she actually has a workbook uh brenda has a workbook which i i took it was wonderful for me uh i took the entire workbook it was very helpful to me oh look there it is there's the site there's and the website. that's the website and not only did brenda's uh uh workbook help me but i really had to put in a plug for my wife okay because my wife was there uh, 
and stood by me through this whole process. Okay. Um, without my wife, I would have ended up by that, with that motivational speaker, Matt Foley, you know, uh, what did he say? I'm going to live in a van down by the river or something <laughs> like that. So I have to give my, my, uh, my wife credit for, for, for not having me ending up like that. Wow. Well, I mean, it, it's amazing how insidious the self-talk um, it's like it turns on the negative self-talk in your brain and you start repeating. It's like you go into a cycle when they criticize you, you take it on instead of going, ah, that's just your stuff. You know, I mean, look in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't do that. It took me months after he was gone to even get my energy back. It's exhausting. Yeah. So, Brenda, do you want to mention something about your workbook here, too, since I've got it on screen? Well, yes. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, this is the, actually the second book I wrote. The first one is about narcissistic mothers and daughters. Um, that one um, talks a lot about kind of what happens in the relationship, and it sort of aligns nicely with the stories that um, James told in his movie. Um, in his movie, he has the a one of the three stories is a father and a son. And I saw so many similarities in that relationship in, in the work that I do with children of narcissists. Um, mostly, it, well, the first book is about mothers and daughters, but it, it, it spans across the caregiver relationship and child. Um, this book, um, I'm really proud of it, to tell you the truth. And um, it was a lot harder to write than the first one, I will say. Um, but this is the, what I use in therapy with folks. It's the kind of the what I use to help people heal. Wow. And it, and I the thing I like about this is just I want there there are stories in there that can hopefully just like James movie does, you know, tell the story of what it looks like in action. Um, the, the, the vignettes in the movie really show like what does it look like in in the relationship what are the words what is the dialogue what's happening in the relationship i have stories similarly in my book too um that hopefully can just give people a felt sense of what's going on so they understand it a little bit better and this just has tools and tax tactics on how to kind of move through and past um these relationships that's fantastic because i think you just um you're first of all you're exhausted because you've been on process it's sort of like is it me is it him or what do i do to fix that i mean you you really are going through this whole treadmill uh, really and then and then um and then there's something about um this is what i wanted to show you um the here we go i believed he loved me and wanted me to be a better person that's where i was stuck and then, she wrote right afterwards, I just this year started to feel like myself again. I forgot who I was. I swear that I could have written those sentences. Yep. Thank you, Selena, for saying that. Um, and then um, Sugar Bee wrote, I keep, I still keep him at a long distance, but we have a son and he's grown now, but he used my son during our split. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of comments going up and down here that there's a lot of us that are um, that are healing from this, that that I it almost seems like it's an epidemic. Is is that what you're seeing? Yeah, uh, I have a space on the um, a tab on the website says feedback. And there's a whole bunch of people who are telling me stories like that. And it's just 
it's tearful. Yeah. Wow. So what what is it? Is it American? Is it is it national? Is there any nationality tied to it? Is it cultural? Is there anything about it that's identifiable? It's pretty universal. Oh, it, 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 <laughs> um, I mean, I really do. I have people reach out from all over the world, um, from different countries. So it is universal. I will say, um, I think maybe some countries are studying it a little bit more. Um, Australia seems to have their finger on the pulse and has for a very long time. There are a lot of studies coming out of um, different places in Australia. Um, and then, of course, the United States, um, maybe just maybe we're louder about it. I don't know more on social media. Um, those are the two places I see a lot of information coming from. Um, but when it comes to clients that reach out to us for help or that uh, attend our support group, from every culture, every everywhere you can think of in the world. Wow. Wow. Well, I, I wish you would have said there's these that I mean, just like James's friend sent him that that YouTube and he could identify things. And, and it's almost like uh, any quiz that you take like, oh, OK, now I sort of have a better idea of who I am, Myers-Briggs, whatever it is. And um, but, you know, if there's there's um, there is with the Internet, there is a chance to find remedies and support groups for so many things like this, that that's why I was so glad James is bringing, um, he, he's explaining terms a lot, the gaslighting term, the covert term, um, he's explaining it. And then, and then having the therapists inside the film, that really, it's so healing, James. Thank you for doing it that way. How did you get inspired to do it that way? Because most documentaries, don't have part of the remedy to it. They just tell the story. How did you decide to do it that way? I was watching all these YouTube videos and they were brilliant. And I said, you know, well, I should make a film where they act it out and stuff like that. So that's how I put it together. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, um, I, I, I wanted you to say, I wanted to also share somebody else. And they keep talking, they're talking a lot on the cat. Um, what um, they were saying about he charmed, he charmed everyone. Mine didn't, mine actually, I mean, he, he, yeah, I don't know what, um, it, what happened was he probably charmed him at one point and then, then ended up, they, he couldn't control, he couldn't control it anymore. The manipulation I, didn't work anymore. Yeah. I will. Can I just add a, a, an overt narcissist is going to probably be more charming than a covert narcissist. Oh, yeah. okay. That might be the difference that people. Oh, are okay. Okay. Here we go. Here it is. As Sugar Bee wrote it. Yeah. He charged that. He charmed my family. Kathy. Yeah. I couldn't find it. Thank you. Thank you. So, so that's what I'm saying is that you, that when you see it, and and I have a friend in Denver, Tracy Malone, who was a, she wrote a book on it. Her YouTube channel is like huge. Um, so I know, and I think she started talking about it five years ago, and all of a sudden, women came out of the woodworks. And um, so, is it more common for women to be 
um, to be abused by a man or is it is there any gender data about this? I don't think it's more common at all. I just think women talk about it more and women come to therapy more. Um, I've had plenty of men in my practice that have been in relationships, some some sort of relationship with a narcissist. Yeah. Okay. So, well, so I'm just trying to I get a handle on the big picture because it, it seems um, I, I'm shocked how many people have this common knowledge that I didn't have. I had no idea. I mean, I heard the word, but I, I just, I never thought I would have that experience, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. we, we don't see it coming. And I, I wanted to say something about what James said earlier too. The, the way I got into this, treating this population too, was that I kept having women, and again, it's mostly women that come to therapy, but coming in and talking about their relationships. And I was in my head going, do they, are they all dating my ex? Like the story was just so similar. And the, it is a mold. It, they all seem to operate from a mold, no matter covert or overt or any of the different types of narcissism. They do, I always say it's so like they all share the same playbook. You know, the, the behavior is incredibly similar. So when you're hearing stories on social media or wherever you hear them and it rings a bell, I would pay attention to that because they all operate the same way. I have to come back to have you hear me. <laughs> I was saying, wow, wow, wow. I mean, I think that's, um, I think that's pretty interesting that there's a, almost a playbook. There's the seven step, the seven indicators that James friend helped him find that it's in business and in personal relationship, that it's really a common attribute. So let's, I'd like some hope here. Um, I, I don't want to have us leave the audience with not feeling that there is healing, a healing possibility. So could you guys talk about that? Because James, I'm sure that's why you did the film, right? Yes. As a matter of fact, the film ends with a whole bunch of positive endings to the story. So you, if you watch the film, yeah, there's positive. We get out of this. Yeah. So is there anything else, though, that you, you could say about the hope and the healing that you had for yourself in making the film? Well, it took me a long time to become a survivor. I mean, it was a very long path that I took down there and I didn't sprint down the path. You can't sprint down the path. It's a marathon race. And quite frankly, I'm not really finished running that marathon race. There's still a, a couple of issues left, but it's very, very positive now. Wow, wow. So, so Brenda, could you share a little bit about um, what you're seeing too? Is the light at the end of the tunnel? Oh, like absolutely. in my case, it took probably six months for my energy to totally, I didn't realize I was, it was like a vampire yeah. Um, yeah. to me, but I didn't realize it until I did. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the right time to realize it. People beat themselves up all the time that they wasted so much time in their relationship or they didn't see it sooner. We can't do anything about it. We recognize it when we recognize it. And when we start to take steps to feel better, James is so correct. It is a marathon and that doesn't sound great to folks, 
but it's better than staying in the relationships. It's better than staying in that constant state of exhaustion and, and self-doubt and self-hatred that tends to happen when we've been in relationships with this. But one of your um, viewers commented earlier about uh, not knowing who they were anymore. And this is universal too. Every one of my clients um, has mentioned this on some level, level or another. And the beauty, one of the beautiful parts of healing to me is this process that we can go through to rediscover who we are. And I think that's beautiful. And we we rediscover it with a lens that we've never had before, that there are people in the world here that can take something from us, but we can take the, the steps and make the choices to bring that back into our lives, bring back who we were, or even uncover parts of ourselves that we didn't know existed. It's a journey yeah. that's full of hope. Good. So, so um, this is what Selena said, you don't expect people to be like that because you think everyone is trying to be their best. Like exactly. you. And then she says, um, um, Sugar Bee said, I broke free of him. It was a long way back, but I came back stronger than ever. Oh, Yay, thanks, Sugar Bee. So, yeah, I, I think that's what we, we really need to know, that there is help. There's experts like Brenda. There's this film that actually will leave you with a whole different perspective about the whole thing where, um, because you're in it. When, when you're in it, it's not, it's not like watching a movie and, and you don't relate to the um, actor or actresses um, that you, you, James's movie, I was, I was in it, and it made me remember being in it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but there is hope, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, you guys, so much. And there's lots more comments. I wish I could show all of them, but um, some of them, again, are, are talking about the labeling and all of that. And honestly, I wasn't using a label. I just realized I didn't feel good anymore and I didn't want to per participate. And I was lucky it was only a year and a half of a relationship. It wasn't a 20-year relationship that that um, I was releasing so because that I, I would probably be still I'd be in therapy. <laughs> so anything else that you'd like to add, you guys were um, we, we've had a wonderful time. Thank you, James, for the, your beautiful work. Again, you're such a generous soul. You're just an amazing man. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you. Yeah, you're leaving the world a better place. And you too, Brenda, thank you. Um, thank you for any of um, these wonderful opportunities for us to be self-empowered. Because that's the key to us creating the new earth, the new world we want, is for us to um, have the tools, find the resources, and, um, and use them to make this world a better place. And it all starts with, with us, right? Okay, here we go. Okay, here, this is a good one though. Um, how can you stop it from happening again? <laughs> Brenda? <laughs> <laughs> I seem to attract them again. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> 
there's so many answers to that. Um, therapy is good. I mean, I, of course, I'm going to advocate for therapy, but understanding yourself and what draws you to certain types of people is really empowering, like you just said, Kathy. Um, don't blame yourself. Many of us think that we have a target that, that we attract these types of people. We don't any more than anybody else does. If you identify as an empath, which a lot of us do, or if you just kind of identify as coming from a place of kindness in your life, what we do is give people the benefit of the doubt and maybe to a fault. And I think that's why it can feel like we attract them. Other people might say, get out of my life. You are not good for me. You're causing me harm. We might say, but they were so nice in the beginning. I want to give them another chance because that's that's how we view, view the world. So the, the short answer, which I've already given you a long answer, but the short answer is trust your instinct. Your gut is not going to lie to you. When those red flags start coming up, you feel that that in your body, pay attention and get out of there. <laughs> Just yeah. don't let it continue. Yeah. Now I think that's what, um, now that I know James's movie really helped me. I didn't have a label. I just knew my energy was depleted and I didn't feel good about myself and it took months to get back. And, um, and so I knew that I didn't put a name to any of it. I just was on, uh, something protected me to, to be able to still do my work. But this is interesting. It says, um, know the warning signs and steer clear, <laughs> uh, learn more about yourself and trust your intuition. Right. So, so you can see that people are understanding and, and there's a lot of chiming in and hopefully the other thing is, is that if the people around you, if they love you, hopefully they'll be honest with you because you can't see it. You can't, Somehow you can't see it. James's friend sent him that seven step um, YouTube. And so love them. My goodness. They, they're your, uh, what do you want to call it? Parachute or mm. anchor into the world. You know, that that's, that's what we're, we're here to help each other through all of this. Right. Right. Okay, so um, we're we're at the end of the show. So James, we want to make sure that everyone knows to go to um, your site and watch your film. And thank you very much for making it free. I'm putting it again into the uh, chat here. And um, and then Brenda's site, we didn't get to show it, but Brenda's site is also in the. It's let's put in the banner again. So that you can see it's um uh it's Stevens here it comes. Come <laughs> Stevenstherapy.com. <laughs> it's at the end. Sorry guys. <laughs> so anyway, so um, but but again, once you see um James's film, you'll see he has three experts that he's brought in. So if um you'll you'll get nuggets of uh wonderful support from all three of them. So thank you, Brenda. Thank you, James. Thank you so much. Both yeah, of you. This is so powerful. Thank you for all the good work you do in the world. Thank you. Uh -huh. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you, audience. Thank you. Please share this. Please, please, please.